Thank you, Father God, for this uh, wonderful time of, of being able to worship you as, as a family. And uh, anyone who enters through the doors of Winover Hills, we consider family. Um, we thank you, Father, for, uh, for this season, Lord, and what it means, and for you coming in human flesh and being with us and understanding what we go through and relating to us, dying on the cross for us. That we share your pain. We share your goodness and your blessings. Those have, who have placed their faith in you, we have become children of God. We've inherited everything that you've given us. We praise you for you, Father, because there is none like you. We are so imperfect, and that's why we need someone that is perfect, a Savior. And we find that in you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. In this time together, Father, may you um, open up our hearts and our ears to what you have to say in your word. May we be able to apply it to our life, not only just hear the word, but to do what it says. And that we would grow um, and be salt and light in this world. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for the people of Wendover Hills. And thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this church. We thank you, Father, for the praises that we're hearing today. And we also pray for those, Lord, that are hurting and those who are struggling with whatever life has thrown their way. We give this day to you, Father. We give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off this message with two questions. One of those questions is, how serious are you about your work? And the second question is, how serious are you about your rest? When those two words are spoken, work and rest, a lot of times it triggers these emotions within us or it triggers certain thoughts. If I said the word work, you said yeah, I'm serious about my work, right? You know how many hours I put into my job? You know how many years I've invested in that job? Or if it's rest, yeah, I'm serious about my rest. I'd sleep all day if I could, you know, whatever it may be. But what if I were to tell you that either one of those, work or rest, if they are done in excess, can be very harmful to your life. It could actually ruin your life. So that's why we're going to talk about um, um, this next life shape today, and it's finding that balance between work and rest. And this life shape is going to be the semicircle, okay? Uh, the semicircle is all about living in rhythm with life. Now, last week we talked about life shapes, which are memorable images that connect with principles that Jesus taught. 
and um, these were developed by Mike Breen and, and Walt Kalistad in England. And what these are doing, these life shapes and how they fit into our vision is it's like the discipleship section of our vision, basically. Because as we're living out um, um, our faith in our community groups through C3 Living, Cell Cluster and Celebration, we want to make sure that we are growing in Christ and we're challenging one another in Christ or otherwise we're just meeting and having a good party. Now, that's all good, but we want to be able to be salt and light in this world. We want to reflect our Creator. And so these life shapes are going to, to help us to, to grasp what Jesus was talking about in His Word and to live that out in, in these community groups. And so last week, uh, we talked about the circle, choosing to learn from life. And we can show that PowerPoint there. Uh, this was the circle. Um, I know there's a balloon in the background. That, that's just not part, that's not part of the circle, but, but you can... It's fun. It's fun. But the circle there, um, and we talked about having a, the kairos event. Remember we talked about there's two Greek words in the Bible that uh, are, are common for the word time, and that is chronos, which means chronological time, and kairos, which means a significant um, point in time. And so what was your kairos event, a significant event that impacted your life, whether it was good or bad, small um, or large. And we said to enter into that learning circle, and we do that through repenting and believing. Repenting means to change one's mind. So as we repent, there's, there's three ways to do in that, and that is our three ways that we go about doing that is observing, reflecting, discussing, and then putting that into action by faith and believing, and that having a plan, being held accountable, and then putting it into action so that we are continuing to learn from life circumstances and not just refusing to grow because we want to grow um, in, in this life. We want to grow in a relationship with Christ. Uh, we want to grow personally and spiritually. And so that's what uh, we talked about uh, last week. And this week, uh, we're going to go to the semi-circle, all right? And the semi-circle is living in rhythm with life. But before we get to that next life shape, I want to share with you a story about a um, high school student named Hugh Gallagher. Uh, who was applying for a col- for college at NYU. Now, typically, if you filled out a college application, you would have a question that would be something like this. In order for the admission staff on our college to get to know you, the applicant, better, we would ask you that, we, that you would answer the following question. So here's the, the question. You've probably heard this before. Are there any significant experiences you've had or accomplishments you have realized that have helped to define you as a person? And so Hugh got a little creative with this, and he answered, he responded to this college application at NYU. This is what he said. I am a dynamic figure, often seen scaling walls and crushing ice. I've been known to remodel train stations on my lunch breaks, making them more efficient in the area of heat retention. I translate ethnic slurs for Cuban refugees. I write award-winning operas. I manage time efficiently. Occasionally, I tread water for three days in a row. I woo women with my sensuous and godlike trombone playing. I can pilot bicycles up severe inclines with unflagging speed, and I cook 30-minute brownies in 20 minutes. I'm an expert in stucco, a veteran in love, and an outlaw in Peru. Using only a hoe and a large glass of water, I once single-handedly defended a small village in the Amazon basin from a horde of ferocious army ants. I play bluegrass cello. I was scouted by the Mets. I'm the subject of numerous documentaries. When on board, I build large suspension bridges in my yard. 
I enjoy urban hand gliding. And on Wednesdays after school, I repair electrical app, uh, appliances free of charge. I'm an abstract artist, a concrete analyst, and a ruthless bookie. Critics worldwide swoon over my original line of corduroy evening wear. I don't perspire. I'm a private citizen, yet I receive fan mail. I've been collared number nine and have won the weekend passes. Last summer, I toured New Jersey with a traveling, traveling centri uh, centrifugal force demonstration. I bat 400. My deft uh, uh, floral arrangements have earned me fame in international botany circles. Children trust me. I can hurl tennis rackets at small moving objects with deadly accuracy. I once read Paradise Lost, Moby Dick, and David Copperfield in one day and still had time to refurbish an entire dining room that evening. I know the exact location of every food item in the supermarket. I have performed several covert operations with the CIA. I sleep once a week, and when I do sleep, I sleep in a chair. While on vacation in Canada, I successfully negotiated with a group of terrorists who had seized a small bakery. The laws of physics do not apply to me. I balance, I weave, I dodge, I frolic, and my bills are all paid. On weekends to let off steam, I participate in full contact origami. <laughs> Years ago, I discovered the meaning of life but forgot to write it down. I have made extraordinary four-course meals using only a mole and a toaster oven. I breed prize-winning clams. I have won bullfights in San Juan, cliff diving competitions in Sri Lanka, and spelling bees at the Kremlin. I've played Hamlet, I've performed open heart surgery, and I have spoken with Elvis, but I've yet not gone to college. So Hugh Gallagher writes this, and of course he was exaggerating just a little bit. I uh, had fun with it, but I think often, many times, I look at that and I say, I think many of us wish we could have a life resume like that, right? Is that, well, I could do it all, right? I mean, I, am, I can do all, I'm, I'm everything. We, we quote verses such as, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, yet we fail to realize that that verse pertains to all things that line up with God's will. Uh, we have a problem, we believe the S belongs on the chest, but God never created us to be like that. Because there's often a tension between our work and our rest and finding that balance. And many times we're thrown off a of balance, and, and I'm going to uh, talk about four significant ways that we can be thrown off balance through this balance of, uh, of uh, work and rest. One of those is giving into uh, unrealistic expectations. I'll let you know, if you didn't know this, you are a limited human being. And I hope that relieves some pressure off of you. You're limited, all right? You cannot do everything. Uh, the notion of always being well-rounded is a myth. You are you're a limited human being, and you've and you got to understand that, because sometimes, many times, either we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves, or we allow others to have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, and we give in to those expectations, and we end up becoming someone that we shouldn't be, and usually working ourselves to death. Uh, number two... This could also be a problem. Work has become your identity. Have you ever canceled a vacation because you had too much work to do? Are you consumed with thoughts of work when you're at the dinner table with your family? Do you speak more about work on your date night with your spouse than about your family? 
does work become your identity? Because when work becomes your identity, you all of a sudden start to lose your identity in Christ. You forget that's why, why you were created. And it wasn't just so that you would be a, um, a human doing. You are a human being. And we've got to understand that. So as work become your identity, number three is self-deception concerning success. Do you work six or do you work seven days a week? Because if you work seven days a week, um, and, and I understand that there are bosses out there that don't allow you to work otherwise, but it's all part of this, this growing process and learning. How, are, how are, are we going to really trust in God that if we work six days that he's going to take care of us? for the seventh. And uh, many times we have this self-deception that if we, if we just work seven days a week, we're going to get ahead, right? That's the whole niche. We're going to get ahead. But, but how do you define success in this life? Because if you get what you're searching for in your career and climbing the ladder or whatever it may be, when you come to what you were looking for, is that success? Or how does God define success? And do you work more than 10 hours a day? I mean, how, I mean do, is, is, does your, is your life consumed with work all the time to where you don't have time for relationships or your relationship with Christ or you're um, are being uh, able to be an effective witness in, in our culture today? And the last one could be this, misplaced priorities. Now, we know we have... Every, each one of us has priorities in life. I mean, it's just how we live and it shows what we actually place as priority. But have you ever thought about rest as being a priority in your life? If you haven't, this will be good for you today so that you can start to think about um, how am I going to make rest a priority in my life to where I can be the most effective that God has called me to be. And so we get to this life shape here and this is a semicircle. All right? Living in rhythm with life. And we don't have to go very far in the Bible to discover God's plan for us in this critical area. So if you would, just turn with me to the first page of your Bible. All right? And if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words on the screen for you as well. But in Genesis chapter 1, it says in the very first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to show all that he created in there. And it's an incredible um, um, chapter that we have in the Bible. And he gets to the sixth day. And guess what happens on the sixth day? Does anybody know? You're created. This is great. It says in verse 26, let me read on from there. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures, the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the, and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. 
God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. You know, God saw, and he said it was good. So don't ever think you're not. God said, that's good. I made, that is good, all right? And he says this, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Then the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. As I read this, this, uh, this story of, of, of God, making, uh, uh, God creating human life, it's interesting that, that uh, we were made on the sixth day and then our very first complete day of, of being human beings was on the seventh day, which was the day of rest. So this is really cool. So on the very first day, full day of existence, we get to hang out with God. Adam and Eve get to just hang out with God. And so we can learn this principle uh, found in God's Word, and that is that we were created to work from our rest. To work from our rest. What happens when we make work a priority first? What happens when we rest from our work? Have you ever been on vacation, and before you're going on vacation, you try to get everything, everything possibly done leading up to that time where you've got to fly out and make it out to Florida or wherever you're going on vacation, and you work yourself to death, and by the time you get to vacation, you can't even enjoy it because you're sick. Has anyone ever been there before? Or when you get back from vacation, you're like, I need another vacation for that vacation because I'm worn out, right? And many times when we place work as the priority before rest, we end up wearing ourselves out. But what would it look like if we actually worked from our rest and then, um, um, how would that affect your work then? Would you be more passionate about it? Would you be more energized? And so we're going to talk about that uh, today with this life shape. Because you see this life shape of this pendulum that is, um, is swinging in a natural arc here, uh, moving from, uh, a rest, uh, from working from our rest, abiding to fruitfulness, pruning to growing. We're going to talk about that today. So, in this uh, semicircle here, we see that we uh, cannot be fruitful unless we abide first. And that's so important because um, we, see, we talk about fruitfulness and we talk, when, when, when uh, uh, God said to be fruitful and increase, He wasn't just talking about making babies, right? I mean, it was more than just that. Also be fruitful in the work that He had given, he'd given them all of creation. You thought you were busy. <laughs> God gave Adam and Eve all the creation there. I want you to take care of this garden. I want you to take, and I want you to name these animals. I want you to do this and that, right? But there had to start with the rest first. But we can't be fruitful unless we abide. And that's simply from John chapter 15, if you want to turn to there with me. John chapter 15, in verse 4, it says, remain, Jesus is talking, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. In other words, abide in me and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Okay? Um, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
Jesus says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains with me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's so important. Because if we work ourselves to death and we're not abiding, we're not being fruitful. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Why? Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Are we showing that today? Are we, abide, are we taking enough time to abide in Christ so that we can be fruitful in our work? Uh, what does it mean to abide? Uh, living in union with Christ in every aspect, including Him in everything. Uh, being consumed with Christ. Abiding in Christ. All right? Uh, rest, if you remember, is in God's top ten list, right? The Ten Commandments. Uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He designed one day a week for you to rest. And, and what's interesting to me is on that list, there's things like do not murder, do not commit adultery, right? Don't lie, don't steal. And rest is included in that. And I think many times we kind of overlook that and, and maybe we are living in obedience if we're not putting that into practice, right? It's like, okay, I don't murder. All right, I got that one down, right? Um, I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. But uh, resting, yeah. God, can I put that off for just another couple of weeks because I got this deadline, right? I mean, the thing is, this, that's included with all of those other commandments. So it must be pretty important to God. And it should be very important for us. How many of you are just like, I want some more rest? I've been here today, right? Some more rest. Some of you are sleeping. Hey, would you wake up for just a second? Okay. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we, we, we need this, this, these principles that Jesus taught and his commands that he taught are so critical to our livelihood. I mean, we're so stressed out anymore. We're like just a stressed out and anxiety-driven culture anymore because we're working ourselves to death and we need to be able to rest and abide in Christ. And then there's the other group too that's just lazy and that is not working and being fruitful as well. So there's the other side of things. But there's finding that balance in those. Um, how important was rest to even Jesus? We see in his life in Mark chapter 1, verses 12-13, that um, before Jesus began his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert, right? And it was that time he was tempted by Satan but uh, he took that time um, um, to fast and pray as well, to prepare for the ministry that he was about to um, embark upon. Uh, also in Mark chapter 1, 35 through 37, we see Jesus in his daily time with his father. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you, Right? The disciples, hey, come on, we gotta go, we got to do more work. You know, and I think that's so important that they caught him praying and abiding in the Father because I think that would have taught them more than anything. Like, wow, no, we need to do the same in our life and to abide. How important was rest to Jesus? Jesus even teaches his disciples when things were getting crazy in ministry. In Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 30 through 32, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all the things they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Have you ever been at work and having a chance to eat because you're working so hard through there, right? I think we've all been there one time or another. So they didn't have a chance to eat, and Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Isn't that beautiful music to your ears right there? So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. That's important because all the, there, was, there, was ton, there was a lot of ministry going on. A lot of people were coming to get healed. A lot of people were, were, were wanting to, uh, to see Jesus do miracles and everything else, and the disciples were a part of that, that process there. And throughout, in the, in the midst of the busiest, I mean, it's like Christmas holiday shopping, right? I mean, everyone's just hitting up the, the stores and everything. And Jesus says, in the midst of all that, let's just take a break here. Let's go and find some rest. How important is that for us to learn as well as disciples of Christ, learners from Christ? So when do we need to rest? To put this applicable in your life, when do we need to rest? Well, I think it's important as we see throughout Scripture that we need to rest every day, every week, every month, and every season. We need to rest every day. Uh, there's, there, there's, there should be a time um, every day where you set aside a time where you can spend alone time with your Father. That's part of abiding in Christ and preparing for your day. Um, you know, it may be in the morning or it may be later in the afternoon. It may be in the evening. Whatever time um, you feel like you can actually get away and to abide with, with Christ. But it's going to be critically important every single day to spend time, whether it's in, in prayer with, with Christ and conversation with Christ or whether it is reading God's Word and learning from Him and, and uh, whatever it may be. But it's important to take rest for that day. Um, it's important to take one day out of the week, right? I mean, I mean, like we talked about before, the importance of that, and it was in God's top ten list, and should be in our list as well, because it's critically important that we take one day out of the week where we do not work, okay? And we all rest differently, right? I mean, for some of you, it may be like um, working in a garden. That may be fun to you. For me, that'd be um, horrendous, all right? I would, I would hate that. Uh, I would hate to work in garden. I wouldn't even... I would probably grow stuff that didn't even exist. I don't even know, but it would not be fun. That's not fun to me. That would seem like work. To me, having fun like, and, and, and really enjoying the day off uh, with Christ, uh, for me, is like on a rainy day. And it always seems to rain on my day off, which is great. I love it. I love rain. God knows that, and he knows me, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I would love to just sit down and read a good book, things like that, um, spend time in scripture, spend time in prayer. Uh, another, time, another thing I like to do um, on, my, on my day off is, is uh, to, to go and play sports or to go work out. That's fun to me. I, I, lo- like I got to shoot hoops for the first time in a long time on my day off on, on Friday this past week. It felt great. I have not shot a basketball. I don't know how long, but it felt so good. And, you know, we rest in different ways. And so think about what it is, what relaxes you the most, and do it, you know, do it. Uh, take that time because it's going to rejuvenate you. It's going to re- re-energize you. God, has, we are not machines, people, all right? We are not machines, all right? We, we uh, are, are created human beings. We're not human doings. God wants to restore us, refresh us, help us to work from our rest, all right? 
And, and then there's this other part of it here, and that is um, before we can grow, there's a time of pruning in our life as well. All right? And we know that um, some vines are purposely pruned back so that they will uh, not bear fruit in a certain season because it helps the roots and the branches to grow stronger. And so we bear fruit when we are pruned back and enter a time of abiding to be prepared for more growth. Um, we see this in John chapter 15. Again, the first three verses this time it says, I am the true vine, Jesus is talking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Isn't that so important? As you're bearing fruit in life, God then prunes you, all right? So that it will be even more fruitful. And there's times in our life when we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. God may be pruning you during that season in life. Um, we know that uh, 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 taking this time of rest during the day, the week, month, and season... There's times where we, uh, we go through a time of pruning. Um, think about an area of your life right now that God may be pruning you. Um, and have you ever been pruned before? And, and what was the result of that? Uh, for me, uh, I can remember, uh, uh, um, like it was yesterday, it's been several years ago now, when I was in college and I, when I became a Christian, and I transferred from a secular university to a Christian university, um, I had once been the, 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 um, awarded the most valuable player on the basketball team before I transferred. And so when I transferred, I was expecting to play ball. I mean, that was just no, no question about it, right? Uh, went to the tryouts that they already had, three other shooting guards that they had just recruited. And so when I got there, um, I still thought, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be on the team and hopefully get a lot of playing time, things like that. Uh, I got cut. I meant to the very last, I got cut. I've never been cut in my life. And, and you know what? That was the most horrible time in my life because sports were so important to me and basketball was like a lot of my life. But when I became a Christian, it's like God was teaching me a fine lesson there and he was pruning me. He was preparing me for another phase of leadership in my life. I had no idea I was going to be called into the ministry. But it was like six months later that God called me into the ministry. But at the time, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I'm like, I just got cut. I just got, I was the MVP at another call, and now I come and I get cut? I can't even make this team? And I cannot understand for the life of me what was going on, but God was teaching me a lesson. What is God doing in your life right now? He may be pruning you. He may be preparing you for that time of growth, all right? And this is this pendulum that swings back and forth um, that we, uh, we, um, to, to, to be able to be fruitful, we abide. To be able to grow, we go through this pruning and then back through that again and working from our rest. It's critically important to us in our lives. Um, many of us have cell phones today. I don't know anyone that doesn't have a cell phone. If you don't, I'm sorry, we'll get you one. Um, but how many of you are like on your phone all day long? Like who is on their phone all day long? Who brought, who brought their phone with them today? Who brought... Can I have someone's phone today? Anybody have their phone on them? You got a phone? Okay, you got a phone. Let me see this thing. Were you texting? No. Were you texting to my mother? I'm just kidding. I was playing with you. 
you know, many times we use our phones every day, and, and um, we use them, I know I use mine to death, and, and we're talking to this person, that person, this person, that person, and by the end of the day, right, um, um, we, we know that if we want to use our phone tomorrow, what do we have to do? We have to lie that puppy down. We have to lie that phone down. We have to charge it so it'll be refreshed, renewed, ready to roll that next morning. Otherwise, you got a dead phone. Nobody likes a dead phone. And let's just be honest in here, right? Nobody likes a dead phone. And many times we look at that in our life, as we look at our life, and God's sitting there trying to speak to us to say, lie down. I got to lie you down so that you can be producing better fruit in your life. And if we don't, we will be running on empty and our battery will be zapped. We need to be able to learn to lie down and to get plugged in to the source. It matters where you plug your phone into. You can't just lay your phone down at night and expect it for it to be charged. You have to connect it to the right source. It has to be in the right place at the right time. In the same way with, with our, our Father, our Heavenly Father. We get connected to that source. We abide in Him and we'll be able to be fruitful in the days to come. But we have to learn to lay, to lay it down, to lie down, and to be obedient. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. We've got to learn this principle. Um, and especially during this holiday season, because this is when it gets really crazy, right? And this is a perfect time for us to put it into practice uh, because uh, we will then... Um, see the new life that we can uh, be a part of that Christ came to give us here. I know that uh, there was a rabbi by the name of Abraham Joshua Heschel who uh, was asked once before he died in 1972 if he had anything to say to young people. And I thought this was very profound, and I want to give you this quote. He said, Above all, remember that the meaning of life is to live it as if it were a work of art. You're not a machine. When you're young, start working on this great, pro- this great work of art called your own existence. And I would add to that, if you're young or older, uh, live your life uh, as a work of art instead of as a machine. Uh, many great artists become great artists because they've learned how to simplify, right? And to eliminate the necessary, to eliminate the superficial to get to the beautiful piece of work. And uh, it's what uh, Rob Bell calls the art of elimination. I love that, the art of elimination. So what is it in your life that needs change today? Uh, What is it? What is it that you can eliminate from your life? What is it that you can um, put into practice from this semicircle here? Because as we all are a wonderful work of art, God wants to expose the beauty of it. And there is beauty inside each and every one of you. But many times it can be covered up by all the constantly going from one thing to another to being stressed out to doing this and that and the other. And sometimes God's just like, chill out for a second here. You know, I think what's really neat is that um, going back to Adam and Eve, um, there was a time where uh, uh, when Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, um, God was searching for them one day. And in the cool of the day, it says, and God says, where are you? <laughs> now, God knows where they're at, of course. 
But is there a deeper question? Is, there de- is it deeper than that? Where are you? You ever thought about this? What if it was Adam and Eve's time to spend time with God during that day? Maybe they met regularly at that time during the cool of the day. And he's like, where are you guys? Where are you at? And maybe God's asking you that today. Where are you at? Let's join together today. Let's, let's be one today. Let's fellowship today. Let's talk to each other today. Let me renew you today so that we can be fruitful and that people will see that you are truly my disciples. If you would, bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for, um, for commanding us and giving us that, those words in your, in your, in your word, Lord, to, to be able to rest. Both rest and both work are gifts from you, Lord. They're both a gift. And we want to be faithful in both of them. But we know that we've got to balance them too, Lord, because we get to where we, we go to one extreme to the other. And we need this balance in our life. And I pray, Father, that in this um, body of believers here, Lord, or those that maybe haven't even come to know Christ yet, that we'd be able to learn these principles found in your word and that we'd learn to abide in you and to learn to rest in you and know that, um, that um, as we do that, we'll be able to produce um, more kingdom life in our in our life, Lord, through through the different ways of, of honoring you, Father, and being fruitful in our work. You've each called us to a different task in life, and we all rest differently, Lord. But I just pray, Father, that you would lay it on our hearts to be able to do this in such a way that honors you. We love you, Father, and we thank you and praise you today. It's in your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen.